Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Adams. Every week, we bring on some of the brightest leaders around the world to discuss issues facing high net worth individuals and family offices today. Hello and welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. Today I have with me Dan Binken. Dan is the director of the University of Northern Iowa Family Business Center. He's been doing succession consulting work with family businesses for the past 15 years. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. Yeah, so... You first kind of came my radar through the work you're doing at your school. There seems to be a proliferation now of schools that have these. They're all kind of somewhat different in terms of the nomenclature, but this emphasis or focus or this allocation of resources towards family-owned businesses, private enterprises, etc. Yep. How did you find yourself engaged in that space. Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, there's been a few centers that have been around a long time, but then there's several several new ones, lots of new ones. We're one of those newer ones. We found ourselves in that space by first starting as a consulting arm focused on succession planning for small businesses. And that's important to the state's economy for obvious reasons. And, and so we were trying to help those businesses stay open, find new ownership, help current ownership plan, et cetera, things that they weren't doing when it comes to exit planning. And we quickly realized that there were a lot of those businesses that were family, family owned, wanted to stay family owned, and were really having a lot of trouble, self-inflicted wounds around succession within the family. And we stumbled on some national, kind of, I, I guess I'd call it training. There's a group called the Family Firm Institute. FFI, and they are wonderful at providing content to business consultants who are already out there doing things to get get some niche training in this space. And so that's exactly what we did. We serendipitously got connected to another center, which happened to be 
the state right north of us in Minnesota. And John Kymig is the director there at their program. And he was, you know, seeing the praises of family, this niche. And to be honest, that, that really resonated with us because there's nothing like that going on in our state. And we have, we're very dependent upon family businesses for our economy as are most other states. And so we tried a couple pilot things and that's, that's kind of how we got started. So we were doing succession planning with small companies, saw this, all the Jerry Springer moments that were happening with families and how do we kind of help with that? So that's where we came from, Brian. Yeah. I love your, your commentary about self-inflicted wounds and Jerry Springer moments. Yeah. Let's get right into there and start with the self-inflicted wounds. What are some of the typical fact patterns or stories that you hear over and over again from families dealing with this succession issue? Yeah, I mean, there definitely are. There definitely are. While every family business is unique and every family business succession is unique, you know, in, in our sad little trade, we use the phrase, if you've seen one family business succession, you've seen one family business succession, of course, but there are definitely themes. I think the biggest one that comes right away is the tug of war between generations. And that's obvious, probably even to people who aren't really all that plugged into this to this type of work. But the next gen wanting power, the next gen wanting the ability to, to make decisions, to not be second guessed, et cetera, et cetera. And the current gen we call him Founder Frank, not so excited yet about trusting the kids with what he's built or she's built. I don't mean to be using one gender, but, you know, I don't, that tug of war is, is always very visible. It's trust. It's fear of letting go. It's fear of losing identity. There's so much wrapped up into that. that that's far and away the biggest one. The next one that I think is pretty much just as common is is the sibling tug of war over power. So usually a lot of times, most of the time when we're called in, it's because one gen is transitioning to another gen and there's multiples in the next gen. So there might only be one in the current gen. It might just be Frank or Francine, but the next gen's probably got two, three, four, right? And it might have spouses and their jockeying for position is equally stressful and can lead to chair throwing incidents and things like that as well. So that's those are the two big ones, I think. Chair throwing incidents. So let's do both of them, right? So I like this archetype of founder Frank, founder Francine. What calls out to me is I'm a recovering attorney, and there's a term in our business where the litigation people come in when it's crisis time, and they always say, like after the client meeting, they say if they had... If the client just had just spent a little bit of time on the front end dealing with the corporate governance issues or their yeah. corporate docs, we wouldn't be called in to put the fire out now. Is that something that you similarly see with sure. these If they had just had a buy-sell agreement, right? Or if they had just, yeah, talked about this before they became rich and powerful or whatever it is. Yep, absolutely. I see a lot of the same things. And it's, it's just a human thing. You know, it's... We don't do deal with anything until it's on fire type of thing. And and that's the same way in a family business, unfortunately. There's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of unsaid things and lack, complete lack of communication usually, you know, for a variety of reasons. They don't want to acknowledge their aging. They don't want to have a conversation that could lead toward tension because it's family, right? And so you're going to see them 
at the birthday party next month or at Thanksgiving or whatever too. And so, you know, what if Jimmy doesn't want to take over or what if they all want to be involved and there just isn't enough of a pie to go around for everybody? I mean, there's all those scenarios that are playing out in the head of founder Frank. And then on the next gen side there, you know, oh, I'm guessing I need to be here for X number of years and then I'm going to get this position. And then, you know, the, the old man's going to want to get out of here and head to Florida or whatever. We live in the Midwest, so that's common <laughs> destination. But those assumptions are killers and the lack of communication is a killer. And so how do we help families do better with that? And that's our main, one of our main bags, I would say, is that we bring in families to speak who can talk about how they've gone from that kind of dark side communication triangulation and i won't get into all the because i don't know it very well but all that psycho stuff to how do we have a family meeting we sit around and, and actually talk about the performance of the business and, and how it did year over year and how it, how it looks like we're going to do the next quarter and and the next year and not only just the performance of the business but the the family's involvement what opportunities are there what requirements are there for you as a family member to come back to the business, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I could go on and on, but I think I'll let you kind of chime in here at this point. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm trying to think if I was a listener, mm -hmm. every family's different, right? And in the family office world, there's the same yep. cliche about family business. How much of this do you think is in terms of the founder generation having these succession issues or lack of having these successive conversations go to the founder not want to talk about their own death? Yeah, I mean, I I would think that's the most natural number one reason why. I, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, they're your kids. You raised them. You've been working side by side with them for years. I think the trust issues are much lesser. I think they're in the back seats of the bus. I think the front seats of the bus are filled with what is my identity going to be tomorrow when I'm not running the show here anymore? How am I going to find meaning in my life where I derived incredible meaning and identity? I use the term ego in a positive way, but all those things that have been part of me creating this business, growing this business, employing these people, giving back to my community through this business, et cetera, et cetera. And now what happens when that switch is flipped and I'm just another, you know, old geezer at the golf course or whatever that that is in their mind that they're thinking about or concerned about or worried about. I think that's the number one thing is is that identity. And, and then, like you said, the mortality that's wrapped up within that. Am I going to drop dead tomorrow now because I don't have this job? I think that's a fear for some and in, in, in older generation, especially. And so those are, that's the biggest thing, I think. And it's very hard to like consult through that, you know, they're that's going to just take, we often say, I often say anyway, that succession planning is kind of like pushing over a Coke machine. It's not one push and you're done. Not that I've tipped over a lot of Coke machines in order to, you know, whatever. But, you know, you got to rock it back and forth for a while. And that's what succession planning is. And it's, so it's messy, right? Because human relationships are messy. And that, so that's just a part of it. So here's the issue that I struggle with, because I agree with you. But what I found through being an entrepreneur myself and then hanging out with a lot of first-generation wealth creators and entrepreneurs, all of the things that allow you to be really successful in terms of characteristics or personal traits mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur are the same exact things that 
don't allow you to be successful post liquidity event or succession, right? You, you have to have an insane amount of focus, right. you know, uh, appetite for, yeah, like appetite for risk. Yeah. You disregard everything else except for your business. So family, personal wellness, mental, physical health, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are all the things that got you there. And they're the exact opposite of what will sustain you afterwards. That's a great right? point. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever had it described to me that way, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Those things that um, focus on the business, business comes first. I know what I'm doing here. Trusting of yourself and your abilities and, you know, that unique individualness of, of some of those personality traits. And then you're, well, you can go serve on these boards and you can go um, join the men's league and you can do X, Y, and Z other things. You know, a lot of that is, is, is social in nature and is, and is group in nature and is probably very contradictory to what got you where you are, I would think. And so that's a great point. It's probably a big struggle point for the lack of wanting to let go. What we talk about a lot is the monkey bars of life. And if you don't have a really solid bar to grab onto as founder Frank, let's just say, or Francine, whatever, you're not going to let go of the bar you're on, right? You're not going to want to fall. And so if you don't have a good, clear, I'm going to do these things, you know, and you vetted that out and your spouse has talked with you about that and said, there's no way you're going to be fishing every day. So you better get some more shit on that list type of thing, right? And then you're like, oh, what am I going to put on the list? Because I don't have anything else that is interesting to me or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're going to be stuck grabbing and holding on to tightly that monkey bar that you're on, which is usually running your business. And, and being that identity. I love that, the monkey bars of life. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this a lot within YPO and oh yeah, just within these other organizations I'm a member of or on this show, which is, mm-hmm. you know, we go through this exercise where we plan out, hey, if you're 75, what do you envision as like the good life? And usually people respond with, oh, I'm playing with my grandkids, I'm playing golf, I'm going skiing or hiking and have this great relationship with my kids, my wife's there, my spouse is there. But then we think, okay, well, take a snapshot of that. How much time are you allocating to those things today to achieve that vision when you're 75? And the answer is usually 0%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're going to go from not hanging out with your grandkids at all to uh, all of a sudden you're your son or daughter is very willing to drop them off every day or doing things with them all the time. I mean, that's just not reality of how relationships work and, and grow, right? So in terms of your curriculum or the the efforts you're doing within mm-hmm. the school, tell me more about like the nuts and bolts and the guts of the programming and how that, sure. how you actually try to front run some of these issues that these businesses have. Yeah, I think the best way that, pe- that people in that age range, or I don't know, maybe it's not the best way, but I the great way that we see it work is the, the peer-to-peer learning is the getting them together with others who have either who have probably already been there, but maybe they're just going through it too and they're still in the mess and they're willing to be open and honest when they know that they're in a comfortable, confidential, trusting place with just family businesses. So that's a big key for most all of our organizations that you see around the country are, you know, limited just to multi-generational family businesses. So they've already got that stamp of approval and that commonality and they're, it becomes an Alcoholics Anonymous for family companies. You know, I, 
my name is Dan and I've got a problem type of thing. And it's my daughter-in-law or it's my whatever. And so we do a lot of peer learning. We do a lot of peer learning with, with topical, obviously a facilitated discussion. So, you know, not to do plugs, but our next session for our breakfast series is, is on next gen development. And we're going to have the Kathy family involved. And that's the Kathy family with Chick-fil-A. And they're going to their next gen, one of their next gen members, Matthew Kathy, is going to talk a little bit about what growing up in that family business was like and how he's been brought back into the business, what things, what hoops he had to jump through, et cetera, et cetera. So what better way to learn than to learn from a family like that who's really got it rocking and those are very powerful, impactful programs. Another, you know, we do, you mentioned YPO, we have I would a YPO similar. You've probably heard of others like Vistage or some of those peer group, CEO peer groups. We we use that model as well. A lot of times we use it with next gens. So they're not in the driver's seat yet and they bash on mom and dad or their siblings or whatever together and learn from each other. Love that. We have a legacy group. So we can't call it the old people group. So we call it the legacy group and, and they talk about what are they doing? How are they imparting vision and values to their next gens while they're kind of moving out of the seat or being kicked out of the seat or whatever it is? Uh, those are a couple of big things. We do we do direct consulting. So we're, I work with families, do family meeting facilitation, do you know interviewing and summaries and consulting work off of that and, and those kinds of things. Those are some of our bigger bigger deals. And I, I would say above and beyond everything is they love to hear from other families on how they've gotten through to the other side or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I just came back last week. I was in Miami for my YPO forum retreat and the ability to spend a day together, like physically together, you know, with a moderator and with a content schedule, you get so much bang for your buck for that time peer-to-peer learning oh yeah when you're vulnerable and open and Mm -hmm. you've done the pre-work it's really incredible i'm sure you're accomplishing some really good things i'm curious what have you seen like best roi in terms of all your programming all your content what's the best feedback you get i mean the best feedback so first of all we're working with and and so are our sibling organizations around the country but you know we're working with people who have money and not time Right. And they're, you know, especially when you, you mentioned wealth creation earlier, you know, family businesses are incredible at doing that. I'm sure your YPO forum is full of family owned companies and as they are around here, too. And I guess I would say that the biggest compliment that we get is even just the passiveness of them attending. These people are their time is is incredibly valuable. They're getting asked to be everywhere do everything, show up everywhere, write checks to everything, blah, blah, blah. Usually what we hear is, I can't believe how open such and such family was. That was so powerful. We hear something like that most all the time. We had our annual conference last month. I heard that from probably eight or 10 attendees. Just, I can't believe how willing they were to share how they, you know, bought out their sibling or how they, um, you know, had to, whatever the things are that they're talking about, they just are, I think, amazed and shocked at how willingly vulnerable other families are, other big, very wealthy families are to, to share those things with other families. Yeah, I think you'll find that if you get people in the right room 
and you have the right safe harbor provisions in place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. YPO is huge on confidentiality, right? And etc. People really want to help, right? And they, they, they want they want to teach other families, hey, don't step in this pothole that we did. Absolutely, you just have to put them in the right framework. Yeah, they do. I mean, that's a human thing to want to help, and and you know we we get big families to come to Iowa or at least be virtual with us with our families and because they, you know, we're not paying them nor do they even have, you know, it's not even a thing on their mind, but they love to help. I think that's very, that's a great like positive thing I, I see from all of this. The work that we do is just how caring people are anyway, not to get way up in the clouds, but I like that. Exceptional family offices, family enterprises, wealth management, and financial services organizations require superior leadership to successfully thrive in today's competitive environment. This is why I'd like to introduce you to our new sponsor, Mac International. Mac International is recognized as the premier boutique firm that specializes in providing retained executive search and strategic human capital consulting solutions to single and multi-client family offices family enterprises, and the full spectrum of wealth management advisory, investment management, and financial services firms that serve ultra-high net private investors and family offices on a national and international basis. If you're interested in learning more about Mac International, visit their website at macinternational.com. I've had the opportunity to meet some of the Kathy family at the Southeastern Family Office Forum in Atlanta. They're you know, terrific family that's done a lot of really hard work yeah big family too obviously and what they've accomplished is remarkable so i'm sure that'll be a huge value add do you have a obviously it's anonymized but do you have a case study in mind either about succession from g1 to g2 or amongst a sibling spouse generation where you've gone in and done the work or you've seen the improvement or you've seen kind of the outcome soup to nuts Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we work with a lot of clients one-on-one directly. Yeah, I can use this one. So, you know, they're in the, they're a manufacturing firm and they're, they've got three siblings wanting to take over from, from dad and mom. Mom's very active in the business too. And they are like a lot of other, I don't know if it's a Midwest thing or just in general, they, you know, everything is held close to the vest. Uh, When are we going to retire is not talked about when are we going to take over is not talked about but over time the you know the siblings get antsy and and their spouses get antsy and their spouses are as is life they become the dominant i don't know player in their lives it's no longer mom and dad it's who they're going home to at night and and the pillow talk thing is incredibly real and it's you know I, that's this family's case is when is your dad going to get out of there cuz it seems like you come home and bitch about him or about him and and your siblings constantly and this just isn't worth it you know let's if if this isn't going to happen let's move on you can do other things blah 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 right and this is this could be an amalgam for lots of families and so the the in-laws are pushing it a little bit and then, then the in-law becomes and i like to use the word value add because i heard that from another family and so i try not to use in-law too much but so this spouse this value add becomes a sore spot in the family relationship, right? Because now the, let's just say the son, that was the case here. The son goes back to the office and says, you know, home life's getting a little rocky because I don't know what my picture is here. And 
I need that to be my best life. And this is a subsequent to that. And so dad, mom, what's going on? And oh, and then there's quickly, you know, animosity between the parents and the, and the married in. And, and in this particular case, it was really just a lot of, okay, you know, they, they got to a boiling point, of course, and we're not coming to Thanksgiving and they didn't come. And then, you know, we get a call and it was this, it was, that's not just like a, it actually was, they didn't come to Thanksgiving and they were living right across the road. And, you know, they saw their cars there. They looked through the windows, saw the cars, didn't, they didn't come. Grandkids didn't come, et cetera. Okay, there's a point being made here. And so then, you know, then we get a call, which, you know, it becomes that reactive to the fire that we talked about earlier. The fire is burning hotter than hell. And hey, can you guys come and help us out type of thing, right? So then it's, we come in, we talk to each family member, get their get their perspective on where things are at, not only with family relationships, but with the business as well. And with a lens toward the succession planning is always, is always what, we're, what we're going with. Get some summary together with that family, present that, talk through that. And that's where the SHIT starts to hit the fan, right? And that's where things come up about, you know, you treated her this way, blah, blah, blah. When we were in high school, you did this. I didn't get to do this, that kind of stuff. Get all that out there as much as they're willing to get out there and, and then, you know, get a get an action plan to move forward. You know, in this particular case, the action plan to move forward was dad needs to stop or needs to start turning over the reins, not just because it's time, but because his wife wants to do other things. And she's been afraid to tell him that she wants to travel more, that they built this business, this life. And her mom died at an earlier age. And it's on her mind that, you know, shit, I, you know, I might not make it to 93. So when are we going to start doing some other things? And I know that you love this place and I don't, I want you to be happy, but at the same time, I'm not happy either. And, you know, all that came out and to a point where we could do a nice role transition exercise with them where we held their hand for a couple of years of what things are is dad going to give up first and which kid's going to get those things when is that going to happen how's that going to happen you know and then i'm there holding their feet to the fire meeting with them on a quarterly basis you said that you were going to turn over financial decision making to jimmy did that happen you know type of thing no why not no that's a bullshit excuse let's let's get that figured out type of thing so that, you know, we worked with him on that. Founder Frank started doing a, I think he really, he talks about this now to other families, is I started doing Fridays off. That was, that was an easy way to do it. And then I started doing Thursdays and Fridays off. And in a coordinated, you know, concerted way, then pretty soon I'm working three days a week, then two and one, right? And, and then as he's, you know, as he's giving up those days, it doesn't feel like he's giving up everything. And he has that in his mind. And so he knows that this monkey bar that he's on is solid still while he's developing this new monkey bar. And it worked incredibly well for that family. So I guess that would be maybe an, ex an example of kind of how a family went through something like that. I mean, I left out quite a bit of detail, I suppose. but Sure, but I, I think directionally that's helpful. So if you were able to, you know, these clients that you're working with today, these families, Mm-hmm turn back the clock 20, 25 years, what is best practices for them 
to be prophylactic about these issues and yep. get out in front of the problem. Yeah. So, I mean, it starts with communication at an early age and not thinking our last family that came to speak. I think I could say this with without her being bothered by it, but she represented a large retail chain. Blaine's Farm and Fleet was the name of the company. They're around the Midwest. One thing she said is your kids are never too young or yeah, never too young to bring into the business, to get exposure to the business, to have conversation about the business at some level. And so I think a lot of families took that to heart and hearing that from her. So I appreciate that she said that, but I, I would agree with that. So if you've got the 25 year hindsight, that's that's number one is how are you involving the next gen in knowing about the business, the good and the bad? How are you developing expectations for their ability to join the business or not join the business? And what kinds of things are you putting in place to I'd say well, requirements, really, you know, a lot of best uh, one best practice for families is in order to come into the family business, you need to work somewhere else first. Right. You need to see how life is in someone else's shoes type of thing. See what it's like to not have your name on the door. That's incredibly powerful. I think it creates so much uh, more awareness for that next gen of, of what other others are doing. It also creates a lot more buy in for the current employee base that, you know, little Timmy or Sally was somewhere else learning some things, had a little bit of a school of hard knocks themselves, builds up some of that trust and buy-in. And so that's a, that's a big part of it that I would say to my 25-year younger self would be, you know, put in some employment policy types of things and education policy types of things uh, for the next gen, along with just, you know, talking about it. You know, you can talk about the year, talk about the next year, goals, et cetera, and let them start to feel that. Could you speak a little bit about the role that third-party business consultants play in this process and where you've seen them be leveraged really successfully? Yeah. Well, first of all, we're, we're the asker of tough questions, right? And we're the asker of all questions and we're the prodder and we're the accountability piece. Those are big ones. For everybody, it's so much easier to hold others accountable than it is to hold yourself accountable. That's why personal trainers exist at the gym. That's why if I told you that I went to the gym, you'd be like, really? Because it doesn't look like you're doing anything in there, you know, type of thing. And so accountability is huge. And that's, that's often what you're paying for with that. I guess I would say too, that the consultant brings that I've seen what other families have done and what's worked. And, and these at least gives you the awareness of what those things are. The, you don't know what you don't know type of thing. And then maybe, you know, I don't know, I've heard this joke in the wedding or in the marriage counseling space, but the best thing that happened to our marriage was we got a marriage counselor because then the one thing that we could do was talk shit about the marriage counselor. And we had this, you know, ability to kind of rally around that and and dissect that person. And that brought us closer together. Right. I, I mean, I'm sure that's a piece, too, of any kind of consulting project is is that person can become kind of the the place where you lay a bunch of crap, right? But at least it gets you talking. And, you know, because a lot of times I'll come into a situation where just the fact that I'm on their calendar and the fact that they're all going to meet together next week about X gets them talking tremendously between now and then to smooth things out, to 
you know, play nice in the sandbox, to get ready for that meeting, a lot of things happen because people, you know, at the end of the day, they care for each other and they, and they do that. So I think those are some big, I don't know, I guess, bullet points why, why to get a third party involved. Yeah, I think the hire, hired gun component is important because somebody can come in for 100 days, say a bunch of uncomfortable things, and you never have to see them again. And they, a lot of, I think it allows people to project what they want to say, but are unwilling to say in the room onto this third party person Yeah, who can help have these really tough conversations. It's a big, to wear that black hat or yeah. to be the Dutch, Dutch uncle, I think is really important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, most of the families that we're working with, you know, from a business standpoint, they're incredibly accomplished, right? They're very smart people. And so... It's not like I'm in the room as some sort of expert, especially not in the business realm. And so they know what they need to do. Usually they just, they need to be handheld a little bit. They need to be told they need to, they need a forum to air the grievances as they uh, do at Festivus every year with Jerry Seinfeld, you know, that kind of a thing. So it's just part of the deal is that they need people to hear their first world problems or whatever they are that sometimes they're real problems. I shouldn't say that, but to hear their problems. Yeah. Okay. So the impossible question, what's the one big piece of advice? Like if people are going to walk away from this conversation with one thing in their mind about what they should do and they're in the family business kind of privately held business world, what would it be? This is one thing that I heard from another family that I, I've said several times since I've probably repeat it like a broken record, but a family business that is in their sixth gen, sixth gen of leadership here in Iowa, the current CEO said to his, the brood of the next generation that he liked to operate from a standpoint of clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And so I really, that works for so many things, but it definitely works for family business is when things aren't clear, when things aren't talked about, when you know something and you're not telling others about it, you might not think it impacts them at all, but oftentimes it impacts them far more than you think it does. And so getting that stuff out there, being open about it, even if your clarity is to say, I don't know, or even if your you know clarity is, I want to be here for five more years or whatever that might be, you need to get that out there rather than let it simmer and stew and then boil over into problems love it dan thank you for joining us today it's been great hey thank you yeah if people are interested in learning more about the program the school your work that you all do what's the best way for them to find out more you know i would say just go to our website you and i family business check us out come to a program come come in january to our uh to our program with the kathy's hear from matthew about his about his situation and his his experience those are a couple of great ways. We have a podcast series out there that we do some interviews with, with families. It's called Never Go Against the Family. And we'll play off of The Godfather, of course, and ch- check out those things. There's a lot of other great resources, tremendous resources. There's there's Family Business Magazine, which, which is an amazing resource. I'm glad you mentioned YPO earlier, Brian, because I think that's a place where families get can get plugged into each other as well. In a variety of ways, it can gain a lot of things, not just on the family side. But So those are some of the things I would mention. Yeah, I mean, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, and I'm really biased. But I think EO, YPO, yeah. any of these kind of 
safe harbor peer-to-peer learning opportunities that have in-person networking or events as well as kind of educational components are worth their weight in gold. Um, If you think about, I think we all have an idea of what, what we want to do, but the ability to learn from people that have made the mistakes and not, not repeat them and and save yourself that time and and money and frustration is worth a lot in my mind. So um, I'm a huge proponent of those things. You don't need to always learn the hard way type of thing. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, Dan, thank you again, and best of luck moving forward. Our listeners, please do leave us a review, commentary. Let us know your favorite part of the conversation. A question we ask people that come on the show, do you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your life? I do a daily devotion. It's it's an email I get every day. I read the, the verse, and I go through the, you know, the, the anecdote, the story with it every day, and I try to save the ones that really speak to me, and then if I'm in a low point or situation i've got my email that i go back to and read through those but i think that that's one thing that i do or the, probably one of the only things that i do on a daily basis is that what's been a really powerful one lately anything you remember ones around don't worry about tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself anxiety give your cares to, to god those those are the ones that you'll see i, I have a ton of those saved in my bookmark yep <laughs> yeah. yep yeah. Those are the ones that really speak to me. And so try to remember those. Yeah. That's great. Well, good. Well, Dan, thank you again for coming on. I look forward to staying in touch and good luck with your event in January. Hey, hey thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for this opportunity and thanks for the work that you're doing. Appreciate it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.